Heard about a little boy the other day uh, that was a bit of a, a troublemaker, and uh, it turns out that he, he was actually uh, in heaven or, or about to be into heaven, and he was sitting there, and St. Peter walked up and said, hey, bud, uh, how's it going? He says, well, it's going pretty good. He said, uh, well, would you like to go to heaven? He said, yeah, I'd love to go to heaven. I think that'd be great. He said, well, well you know how to get in, right? He goes, yeah. He goes, well, how do you, he said, how's that? He goes, well, I've got to talk about God's son. He said, yeah, God's son, right? He said, you know God's son? He said, of course I know God's son. And St. Peter said to the little boy, he says, well, what's his name? The little boy said, Andy. He said, Andy? What do you mean his name is Andy? He said, that's not God's son's name. He said, oh, yes, it is. He said, what are you talking about? He said, that's, that's God's son's name. He said, well, where did you ever hear that? He said, it's in my favorite song. Andy walks with me. Andy talks with me. <laughs> Peter said, get in here anyway, little Johnny. Goodness gracious. Open your Bible to Mark chapter number 10. Mark the gospel according to Mark chapter number 10. We'll begin somewhere around verse number 46. Verse number 46. In your life and in my life, we constantly have conversations going on between our ears. You constantly have uh, uh, communication happening. Sometimes uh, I'm, I'm by myself a lot in, in my vehicle. It's like a mobile office a lot of times that I'm in different towns all through the week. And it's just, a, it's just hectic. And, and, and so a lot of times I'm by myself so I don't notice certain things. But I've got these three things that follow me around. My children... And they, they pick up on things that I wouldn't pick up on necessarily, that I don't even know I'm doing. Uh, so, for example, the other day I'm driving, and I'm having this conversation in my head about a project and about some things that we're working on and, and, and different things that are happening. And I'm having this conversation in my head, I thought. But I come to find out that I'm actually talking to myself and answering myself out loud. And my little Walker Lee buddy in the back of my truck, my little six-year-old boy says, Daddy, do you always talk to yourself? And I said, I guess I do, but I didn't realize that I was. But we all have these conversations going on between our ears. And I want to just reference that slightly this morning because we really, if we can win that battleground... We can win every other battle that comes about in Jesus' name. Uh, Mark chapter 10, verse number 46. They came to Jericho, and as he went out of Jericho, this is Jesus and his crowd. And as he went out of Jericho with his disciples and a great number of people, that right there ought to ruin everybody's doctrine that says they want a little church. Who's quiet in here? Here's the situation. God is all about increase. And God is all about multiplication. And God is all about adding people. Do you remember whenever uh, Jesus first met Peter? And Peter was a phenomenal fisherman. And he was kind of down on his luck. He hadn't had a good night fishing. And then all of a sudden, he, he reaches down. And Jesus, through the power of the Holy Spirit, causes Peter's to net to get net to get so full of fish that it almost broke. And Peter falls on his face in front of him and says, Man, you got to get away from me. And Jesus says, to him not I'm going to bless you not I'm going to forgive your sin not I'm going to talk to you not you're going to see me walk on water not you're going to see me rise up with the angels in the sky none of those things he says follow me and I'm going to teach you how to catch people like I just showed you how to catch fish Amen. the number one thing on God's mind is people 
I like all the blessings that go with God. I think Pastor Larry did a phenomenal job of teaching this morning about our giving and our resources and what we do with it. But the number one thing on God's mind 24-7, 365, is people. Jesus is walking and there's a great multitude following Him and there's never one time in all of Jesus' three and a half year ministry that He says, nope, this crowd is too big, let's cut it in half. We don't want that many. He wants more people. Your job and my job as Christians is to convince people that Jesus is the way, the truth, and the life. The beauty of it is, is that we have this uh, uh, X factor called the Holy Spirit. When you say something to somebody, your life, excuse me as I throw stuff around, when you say something to somebody in your life, and you apply the Word of God in that communication, you have literally enacted the most, you have literally instituted the most powerful force in all of creation that begins to go to work on the inside of that person. How many times have you been at a church service and you thought, man, that preacher must have seen what I did this week? Man, that preacher must have followed me around. How did he know I was believing God for that? How did she know I was believing God in that? How did he know? How did they? They didn't know anything. I get it all the time. And, and, and this is one of those situations, if I knew your story, I would tell yours. But because I don't, I have to tell mine. It happens every week. Somebody calls me or texts me or stops me in the lobby or I see them at Starbucks or wherever and they say, man, that sermon that you preached this week, boy, it was right for me. I don't know how you knew what I was going through. I'm like, look, I don't know anything. I just read the Bible out loud is all I really did. But the Word of God has so much power in it that it begins to, to prick people's heart, the Bible says. It begins to change them and want and, and implant desire for change on the inside of them. It's a powerful thing. But Jesus is all about people. He didn't rebuke Peter for wanting more fish, but he just told him straight up, if you want to know what I'm really about, Peter, I'm about catching more people. So a great number of people followed Jesus. And blind Bartimaeus, the son of Timaeus, sat by the highway side begging, O blind Bartimaeus. Isn't it interesting that some people are always labeled with an adjective before their name? And even if we don't say it out loud, sometimes we look at somebody and we have the thought that has an adjective in front of their name. And we feel it when other people look at us and they have an adjective in front of our name. We can sense it. So all the time, for 2,000 years, we've read this book, and the Bible has called Bartimaeus, Blind Bartimaeus. Now there's things that have been spoken over you throughout your life that in just a minute we're going to find out don't have to stay. Verse 47, And when he heard, this is Bart, when he heard that it was Jesus of Nazareth, he began to cry out and, and say, Jesus, thou son of David, have mercy on me. If you're taking notes, number one, he began to cry out. He began to lift up his voice. 
You see, when you have a situation that only God can fix, the main thing that the devil wants to do is to get you to be quiet. The main thing that the enemy wants you to do is to stop crying out to the one who can fix your situation. The main thing that he wants to do is to slow you down in pursuing God. The main thing he wants you to do is to all of a sudden become quiet in your walk with God. Now, everybody's different, and I'm not saying everybody has to act exactly like somebody else acts. Uh, to somebody, uh, you know, a prayer out loud for the first time would be a major step. And I'm not, making, I'm not minimizing that. You've spent your life praying in your head, and there's nothing wrong with that. Uh, but I want to just point out that every single thing that God created, He created it with the spoken word. It didn't say He thought and it was. It said He spoke and it was. Same thing with Jesus. Everywhere. It did, he did, people didn't walk up to Him needing a miracle and Him say to them, Okay, I think you're healed, now you're healed. He would say to them, You are healed, and they would be healed. It's the, there's something very powerful about your words. That's why the enemy of God wants you to waste them. He wants you to talk about nonsense all day long. He wants you to meditate on nonsense all day long. He wants to minimize the importance of great words and maximize the importance of worthless words. That's why whenever you go watch television or you go to the movie theater, there'll be this many worthless words and they'll be celebrated. And then they'll take the name of Jesus and they will make it this important. They'll try to make the name of Jesus as if he is a cuss word when somebody stubs their toe or hits their finger with a hammer. Or they'll attach a, a last name to God as if somehow or another they are strong enough to tell God what to do. It's trying to minimize the important words and maximize the worthless words. For you and for me, it's imperative that we never allow the enemy, we never allow our mind, we never allow anyone around us to slow us down from crying out to God. Now that doesn't mean that you have to do it just like somebody else. It just means that if you do not go to God with your request, you are losing out on the greatest opportunity that a Christian has. Listen, he knows the end from the beginning. He knows how it's all going to work out anyway. Wouldn't it be better if you, if you had a watch that was broken? And it was a custom-made watch made by a custom watchmaker. And something happened to it. No, your first uh, uh, instinct should be to take the broken watch to the one who made it. In your life and in my life, we have that opportunity because of the blood of Jesus Christ to go boldly before the throne and make our requests known unto God. This has not always been the case. Now there's, there has always been a cavern of sin between mankind and God's throne room. But now because of that spotless blood of Christ, the Son of God, we can literally go before God. So I'm telling you, we need to get like blind Bartimaeus and begin to cry out to God. If you need something from God, take it to the source. Clap your hands for joy if you're receiving anything this morning. 
began to cry out and say, Jesus, son of David, have mercy on me. And many charged him that he should hold his peace. This is that conversation in your head. Oh, just be quiet. Oh, just stop worrying about it. Oh, just let it be. Oh, he's probably passed by anyway. But he cried the more... I love King James. We don't, you, we don't talk like this anymore. Nowadays, we, we, use, we use words like heck and ain't. And King James put these beautiful words together. But he cried the more a great deal. I've had children that cried the more a great deal in the middle of the night. He cried the more the great deal. Thou son of David, have mercy on me. I remember a little shepherd boy. Later became a king. There was a giant standing in the middle of a valley. And nobody would fight him except this shepherd boy rose up in his inner man and said, I'll fight that giant. And he walked out into that field. And as he was walking out there, the conversation began to play out, almost like we're seeing here. A giant began to yell at the boy and call him names and tell him that he's nothing but a dog and tell him that he's going to cut him up and he's going to feed him to the birds and tell him how he's going to kill him and kill him swiftly. But that little shepherd boy didn't let the naysaying giant have the final say. The Bible says that he began to retort and he began to shout back at that giant and say, no giant, no Goliath, you will not cut me up. As a matter of fact, I'm going to kill you and I'm going to cut you up and I'm going to feed you to the birds you godless heathen I added the godless heathen part because I like it (laughs) but so many times in our life we have the opportunity to talk back and we just get quiet we have the opportunity to speak the word of God into our situation and we just get quiet I'm telling you in 2015 We don't know uh, what's going to happen by the end of this year. We don't know. You can't watch the news without something crazy happening. And so for your life and for my life, it is more imperative than ever has been in your life to get the supernatural involved in the natural part of your world. And the way we do it is we begin to speak. Speak God's word into existence. And when it seems like we're not getting the answer, we continue to knock and knock and knock and knock and tell the devil, I don't care how many times you tell me to be quiet. Jesus is my answer. Jesus is my source. Jesus is my strength. And I'll shout till I get him. They told him you need to be quiet. This is that same conversation that goes on between your ears. Number two. Refuse to be silenced by the conversation in your mind. Jericho, they're outside the city of Jericho. And I just thought, what a great place to shout. Because years and years ago, that was the place when God's people saw His mighty right hand move and they didn't pick up a sword, they didn't pick up a shovel, but literally the shout of God's people caused walls to crumble into dust in front of them. And Jesus, so the man yells, blind Bartimaeus, says, Son of David, have mercy on me. And Jesus stood still. One translation says he stopped. I like to think he shifted. 
and commanded him, Bartimaeus, to be called. And the disciples, they, went and called the blind man, saying unto him, Be of good comfort, rise, he calls you. Be of good comfort is the King James. What it really says is, have courage. Come see Jesus. He's calling you. So many times we wonder if God hears us when we cry out. But the scripture says, in the middle of our prayer, He's calling us. Have courage. The disciples, the guys who had been around Jesus now for uh, more than anybody else uh, that was around Jesus, the 12 that were with him, said, have courage. If you don't hear anything else today, I want you to hear this. Have courage. Believe God in the face of adversity. Believe God when you can't see the answer. Believe God when you don't understand the circumstance. Believe God when everything around you is telling you that you should doubt and you should be quiet and you should back up. Have courage. Jesus is calling. The Bible says that as Bartimaeus hears these words, he gets up and he begins to go, neck, go towards Jesus. And he does this, something very interesting. Verse 50. The Bible says, and he, casting away his garment, rose and came to Jesus. Now, that's very important. Historians say that in that day and age, beggars had to be identified as to why they could beg. So the cloak was what would identify somebody as being blind or identify somebody as being lame, or identify somebody as crippled in another way. So blind Bartimaeus had this cloak. He had this jacket on. It was kind of like his name tag or his access to be able to beg at the city walls or the city gates or the entrance to Jericho. So literally, you could see him from afar off and know he was blind. It's like he wore a name tag that says, Hey, I'm blind and my name's Bartimaeus. And his jacket told the whole story. In your life and in my life, You've been labeled and I've been labeled. Somebody has said something about you and it's stuck. Somebody said something about you and it caused this thing, this, this quietness to come on you, this, this a little bit slow to react nature to come upon you. And all I'm saying is if we want to get the things from God that God has to offer, He shows us a road map and this road map is very clear. The first thing you have to do when you find out Jesus is calling is you've got to cast off every label that anybody's ever put on you. You are not what they said you are. You are what He says you are. You are not who they talk about. You are who He talks about. Literally, the God of Abraham, Isaac, and Jacob sent His only Son to bleed and die for you, to miraculously raise from the dead for your victory because He needed no other victory. It was for our victory. And He says every label, every cloak, every ideology, every, everything spoken over you for your whole life, I break it right now in the name of Jesus there's something about casting aside what they said about you many of you your dad had a temper 
And everybody always said, oh, you know, you don't want to mess with uh, uh, Billy Bob. Boy, I'd say he's the nicest guy in the world, but woo, he'll fly off the handle. And your whole life you've been said he's just like you, he's just like his father. I'm here to tell you that you do not have to be like anything negative from your past. You do not have to be like anything negative from your heritage. No, you've got a heavenly Father who supersedes everything. The DNA of God Himself is on the inside of you. Now listen, there's some really great traits that can happen too. My father was up here uh, uh, taking the offering this morning. Receiving the offering this morning, giving a wonderful message on it. And he's got some really great characteristics. I'll just name a few. You can plug your ears if you'd like. Just kidding. He's incredibly patient. So my whole life, I've been able to look at an example of patience. He's incredibly steadfast. So my whole life, I've been able to look at an image of what being steadfast really is. For my whole life, he's been honest. Which means for my whole life, I've had a representation of honesty in front of me. Now, those are some of the characteristics that can rub off that you don't want. But if there happen to be some things in your life that were spoken over you or labeled over you because your family was that way, Jesus came and when He calls, He enables you to throw off the labels of your past and come to Him boldly. So as we live for God, number three, we have to cast away every label that's been applied to your life. He casting away his garment, rose and came to Jesus. Jesus answered him. Isn't that funny? God always delivers the answer first. And he answered and said unto him, What uh, would you do? What would you have me do for you? What wilt thou that I should do unto thee? And the blind man, which is Bartimaeus, said unto him, Lord, that I might receive my sight. Now, now, Here's something interesting. Jesus did not ask Bartimaeus what he wanted because he didn't know what Bartimaeus wanted. No, the Bible says in the book of Matthew that God knows what we want, what we need before we ask. And he still says to ask. Not because he has to hear it, but because it activates something on the inside of you called faith faith begins to activate when you give voice to God about what you need want or desire God to do the scripture also says in John it says anything everybody say anything that you ask in my name I'll do it that means sometimes we're going through some things and we just simply haven't asked God about it Now, that sounds real fundamental and uh, almost too simplistic. But it's the truth if you really think about it. Sometimes we get all worked up. And then all of a sudden we remember, man, I should have prayed about that. And then we pray. And all of a sudden, in Christian terms, there's a ram in the bushes. 
He's already provided our way. He had our answer waiting for us. All we had to do was activate our faith by going to the source and making our request known unto Him. He already knew what it was, but He wanted to make sure that we knew that it was going to come from Him. So our faith has to be activated by asking the only one who can really help. He says, what would you have me do? I want to, I want to just, just picture that situation for a minute. The Son of God, Jesus, is walking around. Excitement everywhere. Joy everywhere. If you don't think Jesus had joy all around Him, read the book of John. I'm telling you, He was a party everywhere He went. Children loved Him. Let me tell you something else. Children don't love you if you're a fuddy-duddy. If you're boring, they don't love you. Children flocked to Him. People would rush to Him. They would literally, they would come to a building. If they found out Jesus was in a building like this, if the doors were locked, security on all sides, people so desired to get close to Him, that they would tear the ceiling and the roof off the building just to get in. They would so surround him at the beach that he would have to get in a boat and go out into the water and able to, uh, so he could speak to all of them. There were other times where the crowds were so thick around him, the only way that you could get to him was to push people out of the way. Some of you have some people in your life it would do real well if you just said, excuse me, pardon me, I'm just going to get to Jesus anyway. Excuse me, pardon me, I know you're just mad at everybody, but I'm going to get to Jesus. I'm sorry, I know you want to talk about everybody, but I just want to get to Jesus. I know you want to stay in that same old rut that we've been in for 25 years, but he said he's the way, the truth, and the life, and I'm just going to get to Jesus. Excuse me very much, thank you. No, he's a party everywhere he went. Joy, peace, love, forgiveness. Listen, if he walked on the scene, everybody left better. One lady was caught. Probably the worst thing she ever did. She was caught in the act of adultery. In the very act, somebody walked in and go, oh, and they drug her out. They threw her down in the street. They threw her down. This was a real person. You know, we read these stories and we, and we don't, we don't, we don't sit and think about it. This is a real lady. They took a lady and they threw her on the ground and they're about to kill her with rocks. And Jesus says, no, 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 no. You guys are missing the whole thing. Anybody who's never done something wrong, I, I guess you could throw a rock. Everybody began to leave because conviction began to hit them. Because you're like, well, I have messed up. Ooh, if everybody knew the worst thing I ever did. Ooh, man, that'd be bad. Until the only one left was her and Jesus. The interesting thing about Jesus is under his guideline that he established, which was he who is without sin can cast the first stone. It would have been completely lawful for him to pick up a rock and throw it. But instead, he said, where are your accusers? She said, oh, they left. He goes, neither do I condemn you. Go and sin no more. Everywhere you see him, he's healing, 
He's saving. He's restoring. He's forgiving. And he still does the same today. So Bartimaeus asks him, uh, he asks Bartimaeus, he goes, what would you like? And Bartimaeus says, well, no dove. He said, Lord, I'd like to receive my sight. Some people say he had seen before and he'd actually lost his sight. So it's possible he was saying that I might receive my sight again. God restores that which we have lost when we find ourselves pursuing his presence. He said, Lord, I'd really like to be able to see this. I'd love to be able to see. The scripture says, Jesus looked at him and said, go your way. Your faith, your faith, your faith, your faith, your belief in what you can't see, your faith, your belief in what you can't see, your faith has made you whole. And immediately, 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 your faith, what you can't see, made you whole. And immediately, he received his sight. Jesus said, your faith made you whole. And immediately, he received his sight. Some of us, we're having an issue because we're seeing everything. And we're not spending enough time in the areas that we cannot see. If you look through the scripture, so many miracles that Jesus did included healing blind eyes. It says that Bartimaeus' faith, the substance of things hoped for, the evidence of things not seen, is what enabled him to receive his sight. Believing in what he couldn't see is what enabled him to see. So I'm just wondering, is God not trying to show us something by healing all these blind eyes? By saying, I want you to understand, it's not what you can see that causes me to move. It's what you cannot see that will cause me to move. You take a blind man, everybody else can see. Oh, there goes Jesus. Woo, wish he'd do something for me. There he goes. And all of a sudden, Bartimaeus is sitting there going, what? Who, who, who is it? Who, who's over there? I said, would you be quiet for a minute? But did you say Jesus, the, the one who will heal people who can't see? The one who forgave that lady? Is that the one, the one who turned water? Is that the one? Is that the one who, who healed uh, the guy in the, in the temple? Is that him? Is that the Jesus you're talking about? And everybody's going, would you just bark? Honestly, brother, you're embarrassing us beggars. Just be quiet for a minute. And all of a sudden, what nobody in the Gospel of Mark had seen up to that point, from the unseen realm, a revelation was deposited on the inside of Bartimaeus, and he began to call Jesus the Son of David. That's important because all the way back since David's heritage, there began to be prophecies of a son of David rising up to deliver Israel. A son of David rising up to deliver God's people. A son of David rising up. But nobody was calling him son of David. They were saying, Jesus, Jesus, Jesus. 
But it took somebody seeing with eyes that missed the natural and seeing in the supernatural to recognize who he really was. Bartimaeus said, did y'all say that to you? Son of David! He doesn't even know where he is. Have mercy on me. See, we serve an unseen God. A little boy wrote down his Christmas list the other day. One of the things on his list was, I want to see God on my birthday. I put a little caveat. I said, only if I can too. We serve an unseen God that operates in the seen realm. Son of David, have mercy on me. Bartimaeus, would you just be quiet for like one minute? I've been around you chicken mouth people my whole life and y'all have done nothing for me. If that's the man who can heal the sick, I'm going to get his attention. Son of David, have mercy on me. And Jesus is walking. And if you didn't know, Jesus has major swagger. So he's walking. And he's like, so Peter, what we're going to do, I'm going to come walking by and the the waves are going to be like, and then I'm going to walk by on the water. And believe it or not, brother, you're going to get out on the water with me. It's going to be crazy. And Peter's like, that does sound crazy. And all of a sudden, Jesus hears Son of David! I can sense Jesus turning. The Bible says he stopped. He shifted where he was going and he paid attention to who was crying out to him. In your life and in my life, you have got to get where you decide that it's more important for you to get God's attention than to have the attention of the masses. He stops, he shifts. We see several examples of Jesus shifting in the Bible. One translation, he's still going through that walk. It's a little harder for him because there's a crowd of people. And all of a sudden, he feels supernatural power, boom, pull out of him. And he stops. And he says, whoa, power just went out of me. And he looks down and a lady who'd been sick for 12 years pulled power from God himself. And Jesus said, your faith has healed you. Believing in what you can't see caused it to hit the seen realm. Another situation, there's a moment where Stephen is about to be killed. He's the first martyr in our New Testament. He's about to be after Jesus died. There's about to be rocks that hit him. And he literally says, God, don't let this sin lay to their charge. Meaning, forgive them for everything they're about to do. If you would forgive people for what they're about to do, it'd get real hard to get offended when they do it. Think about that at Thanksgiving dinner. (laughs) Forgive them for what they're about to do. And Jesus shifts. I believe he was sitting next to his father, probably talking about, I can't wait to get back. It's going to be awesome. There's going to be angels everywhere. It's going to be a big party. It's just going to be amazing. And all of a sudden, a shift takes place. 
And the Bible says that the heavens open up. Stephen looks up and he sees the Son of God standing at the right hand of God the Father, watching what's taking place. I believe because in one instant, in one breath, when the Bible says that Stephen went to sleep, I believe he fell right into the arms of Jesus. Jesus shifted when he heard faith spoken. Son of David, bring him to me now. They go get him. They bring him to him. Jesus never asks a question that he doesn't know the answer to. Bartimaeus, hard to call him blind now because he tore his name tag, his jacket off, and threw it away. And he said, what do you need? What would you like? I would love to be able to see. And Jesus said, your faith has made you whole. Pow! Bartimaeus' eyes opened. He's able to see. He, he sees leaves on trees. Uh, he, he hears birds chirping. And now he can see them as they're flying over. He looks back at the crowd that was over there that was telling him to shut up. And he says, na-na-na-na-boo-boo. No, I didn't really do that. At least we don't have documented evidence of it. But it's highly likely, borderline probable. The last part. Verse number 52. Immediately he received his sight. Right here. Number five. And followed Jesus in the way. Number one. Cry out to God for what you need. When I say cry out, I want you to hear not somebody telling you how to talk. I'm just telling you, make your request known to Him. He is the answer. When you are hurting, leave the booze alone. Leave the, the, inter, the internet junk alone. Leave the bad person that keeps on bringing you down alone. Leave that junk alone and cry out to God and say, God, I'm just hurting today. Like a river of love, He will envelop your situation and He and He alone will deliver unto you peace that surpasses all of your potential understanding. In your worst moment, God, I need you. Some of the old hymns, I'm so fond of them. They would say, I need you. Oh, I need you. Every hour. Every hour. Bless me now. He is the answer. He is the source. He is the opportunity. There are many other names, but there is none like Jesus. He is the above everything. He is not anything low. He is overwhelmingly strong. Cry out to God. Let Him know. You say He already knows. But there's something that happens supernaturally whenever you begin to speak your needs to Him. He begins to respond like only He can do. Cry out to God. Number two, refuse to be silenced. Listen to me. Sometimes you're going to say it and you won't feel better. Bartimaeus had to yell even louder before his results showed up. 
Refuse to be silenced by the naysayers. Number three, cast away every label that's on you. Number four, boldly go to God with your issues, your concerns, and your shortcomings. And number five, when He touches you, follow Jesus in the way. I love the fact that he didn't say, hang on, Jesus, I got to go get my coat. He said, I don't need anybody labeling me because now I follow him. Stand to your feet, please.